Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. To the Huddle Up! Podcast coming to you simulcasting on both YouTube and Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, how was your Thanksgiving, man? It was, considering the way the football games went, very uneventful, Chad. But, it, you know, I love the holiday. I love turkey. I love, you know, family. I love football. But I'm excited today, though. Fangio gave me the best, or kind of. He led yeah, us to give us the best uh, holiday present that we'll talk about. But I'm excited to get going to the show. Very uh, locked and loaded show today. That was quite the authoritative victory by the Buffalo Bills, though, yesterday. Yes. Just a quick aside. And it kind of put things into perspective for the Broncos, who just, you know, got trucked by him last week, that... You know what? You got to tip your cap to to Buffalo and to what Josh Allen and company are doing. Like they're legit they're a dangerous team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're for real. They're that defense is clicking. And Josh Allen, I wasn't a huge fan of his chat in the pre-draft process, but he surprised me as a pro. I mean, he can run. We knew that he has a strong arm, but he is accurate. He is he has that offense humming right now. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. They're a pretty fun team to watch, even though they're kind of lacking star power. But they are definitely for real in the AFC. Welcome in everybody who has been hanging out in the room, waiting for us to jump into the stream. Jordan, Stu, Chris, Daryl, Cobra Commander, sweet handle, bro. Mm -hmm. CA Sports, welcome in everybody. We're going to dive into today's events at Dove Valley. We're going to get to your questions because this is the Mile High Mailbag. But first, just a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. A reminder, as always, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That's the best way for you to make sure you don't miss anything as it relates to the show at Huddle Up Pod. And then take some time, if you haven't done so yet, and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a creative review. And if you like what Zach and I are doing, a five-star rating. I'm going to go ahead and put the link in the comment stream here. What that does, though, is it's a great way to support the show, one. And two, it uh, enters you into our drawing that we give and uh, that we do each and every month, giving away a couple of, you know, randomly drawn a couple of names out of the hat from those who have given us reviews. And for the month of November, there's quite a few options to go from. And we'll announce those names, some hats, some swag next week. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to get your review in for the month of November, take care of that now so it can enter you into the drawing. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. 
These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, it is uh, Mile High Mailbag, that time of the week where we take a peek inside the mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week we are here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And uh, before we dive in, let's see what's on Jason's mind. He wades in with a $10 donation on Thank Super. you, Jason. He says, I haven't been this excited for a Broncos quarterback since Jake Cutler's second year as a Bronco, you know, before he went to Chicago and lost his role. <laughs> and that's kind of the feeling that uh, I think a lot of fans have right now. And just to review, for those of you who missed it, fans woke up Friday to a report from Ian Rappaport of NFL uh, Network. And he said basically that all signs are pointing to the Denver Broncos starting Drew Locke. So, you know, the local guys, we've been saying this all week, basically. And when it finally matriculates to the national media, it usually means it's only a matter of course. I honestly thought that that was kind of signaling that Fangio was going to come out today in his afternoon presser right. and just bite the bullet and announce it. But he stuck to his guns. He's trying to maintain, you know, that that gamesmanship, whatever competitive advantage he thinks it's given him. They are going to activate him. It's official. He's coming off injured reserve this week and they are going to dress him. But Zach, he wouldn't quite give us the all good on lock starting this week. Yeah, I'm not crazy about that because the cat's out of the bag by now. He's been given the majority of snaps uh, that, that where there's smoke, there's fire with the rap sheet report. We all know. We don't know, but we know that he's starting. Why not throw the kid a bone? The number one priority for Drew Locke right now and the team is to build up his confidence on and off the field. Why make him go through more of this dog and pony show? You've put him through enough already. Make him the starter. Let the team rally around him and, and don't take it down to the wire. So I, kn- I understand, again, why Fangio, very old school, why he's doing this approach, I just don't personally agree with it. I think he's deserved, just like Brandon Allen, he came out and was named the starter after Flacco. Why are they dragging this down with Drew Locke, your second-round high-prize rookie? I just don't understand. Chris jumping in with a $21 donation on Super Chat, one of our consistent Super Chat superstars. He says, bring it. And I'm with you on that, Zach. You know, there's power in anointing the starter, especially when you're making a QB change. And even though Fangio today denied that the team has been advised of what's going to happen at the quarterback position, um, you got to tell the team because it can lift people. It can give you that spark. And, yeah, the spark comes by what they do on the field, and I get that. But there's some power in saying, look, we're making a change. We're shifting to the guy that we all know is supposed to be the future of the franchise. It's time to turn the page. But going against a lackluster Chargers team and Fangio sitting at 3-8, and At this stage, Zach, every win to him is of the utmost importance. And so whatever competitive advantage he thinks this gives the Denver Broncos, forcing the Chargers, as it were, to basically game plan for the possibility of two different quarterbacks, you know, he's going to cling to that until the penultimate moment. Wouldn't surprise me if he takes it all the way down to game time. Right. Yeah, I don't understand it because the Chargers know. I mean, they're an NFL team. Their coaches get paid to game plan. Their, their coaches are following the news just like we are, Chad. They know Locke is going to start. They're already, I would be surprised if they have any preparation, the Chargers, for Brandon Allen. They know it's Locke time. And I agree with one of the comments. Uh, Jerry said, it's baffling why they don't do more little things that lift a player up. And I agree with that. You, It's it's all about confidence. It's all about the intangibles, not just putting him on the field and giving him the opportunity. Rally around the guy, anoint him the starter, and I promise you, the rest of the team will rally and respond to that. But if you take it down at game time on Sunday, they don't really have a chance to live in that moment and go into a couple days' worth of time with Locke as your starter and all that excitement that it brings. I understand why Fangio did it. And ultimately, though, 
I, I agree with the comment that said it, it's nice to have hope again for the first time. Right. Yep. For the first time since Chad Kelly, and that was very short-lived. For the first time since Paxton Lynch, we all know how that turned out. There is hope under center for the Broncos. No matter what happens, wins or losses, touchdowns, interceptions, it's an exciting time in Dove Valley. Speaking of our Super Chat superstars, Dylan jumping in <clears throat> Excuse me, with a $10 donation. Clutch. He Thank says, you, locked in. Appreciate you, brother. And by the way, that was an awesome tweet. We sent him out a shirt as a small thank you, and he tweeted us and uh, showed us how it looks on him. Awesome. Any of you guys, when you receive your shirts, make sure you tweet us, and we'll retweet yes. you. It's great for the show. For sure. Um, but, yeah, locked in. I mean, that's that's the way this thing is, is turning, and Vic Fangio was forced to um, – address what the team is going to do as far as the corresponding roster cut, since he did say we are going to activate Locke. Basically said, yeah, it's probably going to be Brett Rippon that we send back down. There's that, there's no guarantee to that effect, but he, he pointed to the injury report being a possible reason why they, you know, things are up in the air as it relates who they're going to end up cutting. But that's another reason why they're probably dragging their feet as long as they possibly can, because the farther into game week they can get, the more likely a waived player is going to pass through waivers. <clears throat> and in the case of a guy like Brett Rippon can re-sign to the practice squad. So we'll see how that shakes out. But Zach, you know, B- Brett Rippon, we didn't get a chance to see him this regular season. We're not going to get a chance to see him, and that's as it should be. But, you know, him and Brandon Allen, they'll have to battle it out next year for the right to be the backup probably to Drew Locke. And let me just say this, nothing against Brett Rippon as a person, as a player, but if Drew Locke pans out and if Rippon is the one that was cut for him, no one in the world will remember Brett Rippon's name. He would be the only, he'd be remembered as the guy that was cut for Drew Locke. So it sucks as part of the business. He is still a young quarterback too, but you've got to get Locke on the roster no matter what it takes, no matter who you cut. He is the utmost importance right now. JT, and by the way, thoughts and prayers to our London listeners and all of yes. oh, the people in the UK. There was a, an attack there today. So thoughts and prayers to you guys. JT says, this is it. Start him and don't look back. Lock the door behind you and start moving forward. It'll be hard times, but we've got to stick with lock. And that's very true that the Denver Broncos, once you turn the page, you're starting the clock, as it were, and you got to let that sucker tick all the way down. you got to give him the window he needs to settle in expose him to the the crucible that is the NFL game and let him adjust. There's going to be trial. There's going to be error bumps along the way. But I think you're also going to see a player enter this fray with extreme confidence and swagger that is going to trickle down, you know, as it were to the, I think that's the third time I've said as it were tonight, by the way, um, to the rest of the offense, which the offense needs that boost. They need that spark. And we saw a quarterback change three weeks ago, sparked a, a surge, let's say, in the Broncos offense that lasted all of six quarters. It'll be interesting to see how long a possible Drew Locke surge can stick with this offense. And by the way, Stewart jumping in, a Super Chat superstar, $25 on uh, Super Chat. He says, locked in. Thank you, Stu. And uh, JT, I hope your friends and family and you are well and safe in London. And again, our, our thoughts go out to what happened there. But I, I was just going to say, what could possibly be worse after the last couple of years at quarterback? How could it get any worse than a Joe Flacco, then a Keenum, then an Osweiler, then a Paxton Lynch? I mean, it literally can't get worse. And you have a guy right now who has a higher ceiling than all of them. So it's very exciting. And the winds have changed. It feels good blowing against us right now. Chris, the word on Von Miller, he's officially listed as questionable, but I'll tell you right now, in fact, I'll do a quick uh, screen share and show you guys what the injury report looks like for week 13. Okay, here you go. The Broncos have six players, quite a few, listed as questionable. Among them, Duke Dawson, the corner. He's in concussion protocol, but he did practice today on Friday, limited Uh, You've got Shelby Harris limited with an ankle. Josie Jewell is limited. Alexander Johnson is dealing with a knee injury Mm. uh, that he suffered toward the end of the Buffalo game. He practiced today limited, questionable. Von Miller with that knee also practiced today limited, questionable. And then lastly, Jawan James. So my question to you is – we're going to see Von, I think, this week. But, Zach, my question to you is, do you think we're going to see Jawan James? 
they want to get him mentally ready, Chad, and it seems like he's physically ready, but it doesn't seem like he's mentally ready or mentally tough enough, it seems, to play. And and this is just another situation where we have to be reminded they spent $51 million on the guy, and they've gotten a handful of snaps out of him, and they're they're worried about his mental, um, his being fragile mentally right now. It's not yeah. a great look for him. Um, and, and Fangio even said if he doesn't start, he's not going to play, which I don't understand or agree with. Again, you spent $51 million on the guy. You have Garrett Bowles struggling. You have Wilkinson struggling. Why not at least dress him, get him on the field? Um, I hope we see him. I'm more worried about uh, Alexander Johnson, though. He's been a, yeah. a revelation linebacker, a true beast, the best linebacker uh, grade-wise in the NFL right now. If he doesn't play, uh, that would be a big loss for the Broncos' defense. In terms of Vaughn, though, 50-50 sounds like a game-time decision. I would be shocked if he's inactive. Yeah, I would be too. And for what it's worth, I just I don't get why the Broncos have coddled Juwan James. And I get it. You know, that knee sprain, he did sprain his knee in the season opener, but – he came to Denver with the reputation as being soft. Mm-hmm. He came to Denver with the reputation as being an, an injury milker, if you will. And he has done nothing this season to dispel or refute that reputation that he got from Miami. I mean, they were laughing at the Broncos for signing him. And even you and I at the time, we questioned that. We're like, what do you – come on, man. This is right. just sour grapes. The team that was upset they couldn't re-sign Juwan James just throwing shade at the Broncos for getting it done – Turns out there was some fire at the base of that smoke signal they were sending up. And Alan, by the way, jumping in with a $20 donation on Super Chat. Love the show. You guys are the best. Keep up the great work. Alan, we will keep it up if you keep it up, my brother. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, you guys are the you guys are the best. Just want to say that real quick. Pre- appreciate every donation and we love all of you guys. Carla jumping in with a $10 Thank donation. You, every game he plays, lock for the rest of the season will tell if we finally have our guy. And that, that kind of brings up an interesting point here, Zach. He's probably going to get – there's no guarantee because if he completely craps the bed, he's not going to get the full window. But odds are Locke is going to get a five-game audition. What do you need to see from him over these five games? Not to so much you know, convince you that he's the guy, but to persuade you if you're up in that room with the Broncos front office to say, look, we're going into next year's draft to build the nest instead of turning over every rock for another quarterback. First of all, I don't think five games is enough time to make a determination one way or the other. I mean, you need a full season to see what it really has, but it's better than having two games. I just want to see more than wins and losses, more than touchdowns or picks. I just want to see growth. I want to see his footwork and his technique and his his arm, not his arm strength, but his arm talent, his accuracy, He going through his progressions, everything a quarterback has to do that separates the good ones from the great ones. Everything the Broncos were worried about in the pre-draft process, everything Elway admitted to, all his worries in the preseason, I want to see Locke grow in this offense. It's not ideal. They don't have a an all-star set of weapons there. Not the worst situation in the world, but it's not going to be super easy. I just want to see him take the bull by the horns and progress as a quarterback in the NFL. Don't get skittish. Don't get scared. Don't go backward. Just from week to week to week, look a little better, a little better, a little better. Then in the worst case scenario, they have an open competition next next season, but at least we've seen on tape Drew Locke in a Broncos offense to some extent. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I want to see that confidence and swag that he has from a person, you know, persona, you know, perspective in his play on the field. And when he bumps his head, and he surely will, when he makes that ill-advised throw that gets picked off, or if he holds on to the ball too long and doesn't sense the pressure, or if he misses that blitzer coming off the edge, or whatever it might be, that he learns from it, A, and B, that he bounces back. That's one of the biggest things that you need to see in a young quarterback is the resilience to overcome and persevere out of a bad situation that you might have created yourself. And if you go back and look at what Drew Locke was able to do as a four-year starter at Missouri, I mean, he was a starter as a freshman, and man, did he get brutalized at times. I mean, it was, frankly, uh, cringeworthy at times because the team was just so – you know, when it comes to recruiting in the SEC, Missouri is one of the last teams at the table, man, before – you know, the, the, the talent pool dries up pretty quick, but it's still the SEC. They got to go against the Auburns and Alabamas and Floridas and all the LSUs of the world each and every year. And Locke battled through some real adversity, Zach. And, you know, it took him some time to turn the ship, but he is, you know, the SEC all-time leading passer. He's got the most touchdowns in a single season in SEC history with, I think it's 44 off the top of my head. So he has shown in the past in his football career the, the propensity to overcome, you know, less than ideal situations, overcome mistakes. And that's kind of what I want to see here. Yeah. And, and to your point, it's a great point. What we've seen the last couple of years, every time a quarterback, a Broncos quarterback would get hit or throw a pick or lose a game, they would go into a shell. We saw it with yes. Flacco, saw it with pa- Paxton Lynch. We saw it to an extent with Case Keenum. But like you said, I want to see that resiliency. I want to see that, um, that mental fortitude to overcome adversity and to get better from it. And that's what I feel like Drew Locke separates himself from all those other quarterbacks. He will grow from that. Going through the bad will make him better. So I'm just excited all around to see what he can do and how he grows in this offense and how he really leads as a quarterback. Cobra Commander says, I pulled my hamstring being stupid while in Iraq and still conducted a combat mission for peanuts compared to James. LOL. He needs to go. Well, he just needs to play. The dude's talented. I mean, he was a first-round pick in Miami back in 2014. He has, when he has actually stayed on the field, he is one of the better offensive tackles in the NFL. I'm not going to say he's elite. But there's a reason why the Broncos were willing to pay him $51 million over four years. What I don't understand is you've got a a coach in Mike Munchak that has one of the most sterling reputations in the NFL, also a former player himself, knows what it's like physically, mentally, and emotionally to keep yourself on the edge, so to speak, to keep that um, kind of bulletproof, tough mindset throughout and sustain it throughout a season. Why does it feel like – He's coddling Juwan James. Why does it feel like Fangio's allowing that to happen? I don't know, but it's it is utterly frustrating. I don't understand it, and uh, hopefully he gets to play. I mean, I think if there's anything that's going to motivate change on that front, Zach, with the Broncos saying, "Look, dude, quit crying. Get out there on the field. You were cleared. Let's not forget Juwan James was cleared three weeks ago. Okay, <laughs> what are you freaking waiting for? Here's what you're waiting for. You want your rookie second round pick the player that you were considering taking at 10 overall, the f- potential future of your franchise, Zach, you want to give him the best possible chance to succeed and making sure that Juwan James is available to start at right tackle is a good way to do that. Broncos fan number 24 jump, uh, jumps in $10 donation on super chat. One of our super chat superstars. And by the way, Broncos fan, in case we have not discussed this directly with you, make sure you reach out to us at uh, milehighhuddle at gmail.com and shoot us your personal details, your address, and shirt size so that we can give you a thank you. Um, But he says, Zach, what is your realistic expectation from Locke in this Chargers game? I remember Cutler had a pick six and two touchdowns in his first game, but you could see the talent. 
Yeah, that's kind of where I think it's going to go. Not necessarily a pick six, not necessarily a multi-turnover game, but I can see Locke taking a lot of chances in this game, a lot of deep balls, um, just letting it loose and, and letting him be a true gunslinger. He's going to turn it over. It just comes with the territory. Tony Romo did it. Brett Favre did it. He's in that mold, so you want to see him do that. I wouldn't expect four touchdowns, and I wouldn't expect four picks. I think he'll have maybe one and one, one and two, something like that. But I think he'll show enough by the week and grow by the week for it to be encouraging enough. And let's not get over our head here. He's a rookie making his first start. He hasn't been on the field in months. I hope Broncos fans keep their expectations relatively in check. I understand it's exciting. I understand you've been dying for a quarterback for years now, but it's his first start. Same as Brandon Allen a few weeks ago. You have to keep things relatively um, realistic. I'm just excited to see a young player with some real traits and tools and confidence, QB1 mindset, grow. I want to see him play. I want to see these losses that continue to stack up mean something. I mean, the Rams, you know, they've kind of taken a step backward and regressed this year, but – that seven games that Jared Goff got to start as a rookie, they were invaluable to him in terms of building the experience and kind of desensitizing him to the pressure of the NFL so that when the stars aligned and Sean McVay arrived there, he was able to quickly turn the ship around and the rest is kind of history. And that's what we need in Denver right now is we need these games to bear that same type of fruit for Drew Locke. Now, will it? Will he? his career have a similar trajectory as a Jared Goff? There's no guarantee and only time will tell, but I'm just excited to see that. And JT says, I worry about the protection for Locke. I think we'll see lots of play action and bootlegs, must lean on the run game and allow Locke to try and slow things down mentally. And that's one good thing is you've got a Chargers defense who, unfortunately for Locke, you know, they're the fourth ranked passing defense, but as a rushing defense, they're 20th. So what that means is if the big uglies up front for the Broncos, that starting five, come ready to uh, do do battle, they should be able to get some push, open up some running lanes for Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, which, Zach, takes pressure off the <clears throat> the debut of, of Drew Locke. Now, I know that Scangarello and I know that Locke are both going to be uh, tempted to air the ball out, but yeah, it's a great point. They have to establish the run if they want to win this game. They have to lean on the running game, and making matters worse against the pass is I believe Derwin James is coming back for the Chargers this, uh, this week, so that's going to pose yeah. a threat in the secondary for the Broncos. they got to be mindful of him. I would expect Locke to take several deep ball chances, but I would expect more so the Broncos to lean on the running game and to know where their bread is buttered. His confidence is number one right now. They have to protect it, and by going out and, and hanging him out to dry by, by throwing it 60 times, it's not going to do him any justice. No, and I really don't think the Broncos will stray away from balance unless the flow of the game dictates it. And do you see sure. Phillip Rivers, old man Rivers, that's now clearly over the hill, getting out by a three or four score lead in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't No, yeah, so, It's going it's to be fairly low scoring, I believe. Yeah. And I think also one thing is in terms of the complexion, this game has the potential to take. We're talking about a Broncos defense that is banged up, especially at the linebacker position, but they were embarrassed last week in Buffalo. Not wasn't a lot of points. I mean, 20 points isn't anything to write home about, but allowing the bills to put up 244 rushing yards. This is a defense that was embarrassed by that. And they're hungry. They're wanting to, you know, put a stamp on things. And look, this is a team that plays even during these down years post Super Bowl 50. Zach, the Broncos always played well against the Chargers. Doesn't always result in a W, but they always play well. And I really don't think that's going to change. We saw in Week Nine when the team made the change from Flacco to Allen, that spark really helped. I mean, you know, every, almost every opportunity where there was the fork in the road, things could go south it went the right way for the Broncos in week nine and those first two quarters in Minnesota. It was a spark. It's a momentum change. It's excitement. It's confidence. The question is, how long will that last and can can Locke sustain it? That's what remains to be seen. And Larry wants to know, if Locke starts, how vanilla will the play calling be? It'll be tailored more to him. They're going to try and utilize his athleticism as much as possible. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a read option or two in there as well. Um, but Locke said himself, he's confident that, Rich Scangarello will have full access and command of the playbook. He's not going to have to pare it down for Locke, in Locke's opinion, and nothing that Scangarello said the next day at the podium uh, refuted that. 
It's, it's not going to be any more vanilla than it was with Flacco under center, but I'd be surprised if they really open up the playbook and put a lot on Drew Locke's plate in his first game. Maybe next week when he has a little experience under his belt, they'll be more apt to throw downfield or throw the ball more. But this game, I feel like it's exciting that he's starting, and I agree with you, Chad, but just by the virtue of him being on the field, same as Brandon Allen, it can lift the entire team, and I think it will. But I would be really surprised if they don't run the ball a lot and uh, lean on Lindsey and Freeman to help Locke out and make him kind of a compliment option this needs to be garibald's best game as a pro oh yeah this needs to be his look you guys you've got your who you thought was going to be your future at quarterback you got who hopefully you thought was going to be your future at right tackle i can still be your future at left tackle garrett bowles only has five games left and if Jawain uh juan james does play his leash garrett bowles is going to be that much shorter because thank god hinted at that earlier this week zach that you know James's availability is the only thing that would allow the Broncos the benefit of changing the left tackle position. In other words, keeping James at right tackle, and if Bull struggles, benching him and putting Elijah Wilkinson at left. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, even if he's not starting, why wouldn't you have him dressed? Just in case Bowles gets hurt or he, he he's being Garrett Bowles, you can take him out and replace him. To me, I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on, but how much of that is coming from Elway here? I mean, you're not dressing the guy, activating the guy you paid $51 million for. You have to wonder if he's still going above and beyond to protect his former first-round pick in Garrett Bowles. Alicia wants to know, do you guys think the Broncos will eventually change their scheme to fit yes. what Locke does best. I think, yeah, as Zach said, in in some ways they will. They're not going to completely go away from the under center offense because Elway remains adamant that it is key to establishing a consistent running game in the NFL. And Zach, maybe it was back in the 90s and the early 2000s, but it certainly isn't a requisite in today's NFL. That is being refuted more and more as the years go on. Just look at what Lamar Jackson's doing in Baltimore. Look at what Kyler Murray's doing in the air raid there under Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. There are other ways to skin the cat, but I do think they brought in Rich Scangarello's act for a reason, and that is to design a system that is built on the same bones of that Shanahan West Coast scheme from the 90s that helped Elway get two rings, while also, I mean, let's remember, Scangarello showed and, and contributed to that great propensity the Niners showed last year to tweak things after Garoppolo went down and then after C.J. Beathard went down, they completely had to retailer things to fit Nick Mullins while, and even Skangarose has said before, nothing was off the table with Mullins in terms of the playbook. The playbook was still open, wide open to him, but they still tailored it to fit his strengths, and I think you'll see that as well with Luck. It's a tough situation because you don't want to put too much on his plate, but you don't want, you don't want to hide him either. You, you want to maximize his talent. So I think you'll see some sort of moving pocket throws, RPOs, um, option plays, anything to get his mobility and his arm talent on a, um, on a, a pattern for the receivers to break on. But I don't think they're going to throw the ball 50 times. I don't think they're going to have some overly complex schemes. I think they want to put one game on film, chat, one game, then they can go from there and make adjustments to that. And I feel like next week is when they'll open the playbook a little more and pass the ball a little more. And by the way, she's uh, Mrs. Bethany 1107. She's delaying putting the Christmas tree up with the kids so that she could catch the Mile High Mailbag tonight. Appreciate you. Appreciate Bethany. you. That's awesome. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. Bradley says, I went to the first training camp session last summer, and you could see that Locke and Flacco had the strong arms while Rippon didn't. Then watching his progress in the first two preseason games, obviously encouraging. And that's one thing is, like, look, I'm not going to blow smoke up your skirt and make you think that Drew Locke, you know, went from one preseason game to the third preseason game and completely metamorphosized into everything that he needed to be. But he did show – significant progress from the prospect he was when the Broncos drafted him in the second round to where he was in that third preseason game against, I think it was the Niners when he suffered that thumb. He showed some improvement from his footwork, his drops from under center, reading the field, you know, acclimating to the speed of the NFL game. He showed strong signs. I mean, he had already locked down the backup job. That wasn't even in question before he heard his thumb. So I, I think that, and we've heard Fangio and Scangarello talk about this this week, that the time off was a blessing in disguise that allowed him to develop and progress mentally at a not so much a, fa- a quicker rate, but to focus on that without the pressures and demands of you know playing or practicing each and every week. And that that could turn out to have all kinds of trickle-down blessings for this team. 
Let's not forget, though, after the first preseason game, he admitted that Locke was having trouble spitting out the plays in the huddle, Chad. I mean, that's football 101, quarterbacking 101. He went home and started reciting the plays in the mirror to himself. So he has still a ways to grow, and he's still a very, very um, infantile quarterback in his development. It's going to come with playing and it come with progress and on-field experience. And that's why I'm saying don't get over your heads here with Drew Locke. Don't expect some 500-yard game. He's going to go through his lumps. He's going to throw some picks, but that, I promise you, will make him a better quarterback. Donald wants to know, if Vaughn and AJ don't play and Locke starts and wins, how would you guys feel about him as the quarterback? Don, whether Drew Locke wins this game or not, this is an open audition, and it's it's just a piece to the puzzle. We talked about this on the last episode before Thanksgiving, that right now it's just a piece to the puzzle, and each game is going to lock in another piece, and over time, that puzzle, it's going to turn into a complete picture and you're going to have a real evaluation on Drew Locke. I'm not convinced that five games this season is going to be enough to do it. But what I can tell you is that one victory against a lackluster Chargers team, if that's how it indeed shakes out, Zach, is not going to be enough for the Broncos to you know, say, oh, we've got our guy. Plus, I don't understand what Miller or Johnson being out would have to do with Locke's progress. If he wins this game with or without them, that's just, you have to judge him based on his quarterbacking, not based on injuries or the defensive play. I mean, it would help Locke and help the Broncos' chances if those players played, but I just want to see how he does as a starter. I want to see how he progresses, not just from game to game, but from play to play, pass to pass. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. A listener, of a, a member of Broncos country in Thailand. I don't want to butcher your name, wow. but thank you, my friend, for joining us. Appreciate you, yes. Jacob brings up another piece of news from today's Fangio presser. What about Devontae Harris being benched for Isaac Yadam? We learned that when the Broncos resumed practice on Wednesday, Devontae Harris, who has struggled the last two games, that struggles, those inconsistencies, ups and downs continued, and Fangio has made the decision, meanwhile, as Yadam has played better, he says, to start Yadam opposite of Chris Harris. Now, we'll see what happens, whether or not Duke Dawson is able to pass through concussion protocol in time for the game. I think he will, but even if he doesn't, Devontae Harris is going to see the field on third downs and nickel situations. You know, he's he's an intriguing young player. He's got some upside, but so does Isaac Yadam. Man, if the Broncos could hit on Isaac Yadam, hmm. so many of their problems would be solved. Yeah. But, you know, every opportunity he's gotten, he earns it in practice. He gets half the way there, Zach. But then when the games roll around, you know, he's either lapsing with a penalty or, you know, regressing with his technique, allow someone to burn by him. And he's very physical and long cornerback that's, and he, and he has no problems coming up and run support to tackle. 
but it's those coverage guys, those quick twitch receivers that just turn him around and give him a tough time. And similar to all the longer, bigger corners, even Aqib Tlaib struggled against that type of receiver. If you think back to 2014 when the Broncos were smoked by the Indianapolis Colts in the divisional round because Jack Del Rio wasn't smart enough to put Chris Harris Jr. on T.Y. Hilton and allowed Aqib Tlaib to try and mirror him all all game, and it was just a joke. He he made he put Tlaib on skates that, that game. So is this uh, Yadam Island now, Chad? Is that reopening? Is that the new thing? I never understood that with Harris. I mean, he didn't do anything to deserve that honor. But I will say about Yadam, it's a good opportunity. He hasn't really shown me anything to this point, but I feel like if you can't thrive in Fangio's system, in a system where Justin Simmons is thriving, in a system where uh, Bozzi was thriving, Kareem Jackson's thriving, he's pretty much a denominator, and he's just not doesn't have the, the talent. So it's a good audition for him, too, and I feel like Broncos fans are equally as desperate, almost, for a cornerback, uh, as a quarterback here. Jeff says, it really stinks that we have to go back to the well for a left tackle in the draft. Not only is Garrett Holds costing us on game day, he's killing us in the upcoming drafts. Your thoughts? I mean, that's true, Jeff, that it's basically at this point looking like a wasted first-round pick just three years old. I mean, yep. and unfortunately the team, I mean, they would be remiss, Zach, to not take a tackle in at some point in the premium rounds. And with this being a pretty deep tackle class, but it's especially top-heavy, I mean, you got to try and do everything you can if you're the Broncos, ostensibly expected to pick within the top 10 to do whatever you can to get an Andrew Thomas from Georgia or Tristan Wirfs uh, from Iowa. Let me say, I am one of the biggest Garrett Bowles critics on the planet. I didn't like him even when the Broncos drafted him. I didn't really like him in college. I'm not going to put blame on him, though, for him affecting the Broncos drafting. That's Elway. He's in charge of that. You can blame Bowles for his on-field production or lack thereof, but Elway drafted Bowles. Elway refuses to sign a competent backup to him. This is all on Elway right here. So you can knock Bowles for his on-field play, but not to have... Uh, a, a project tackle behind them, a capable one or a veteran that can step in. That's all John Elway. Nick says, I'm new here and I would love to donate, but times are hard right now. But I do listen to you both every day at work and would like to ask you both what to expect from Locke if he starts. And that brings up something, Zach, I want to address with people. You guys, not everybody can support the show financially and contribute on Super Chat. And if you can't, don't feel bad about it. I mean, just participating in the show live, listening after the fact, downloading yeah. it, sharing it out on Twitter and Facebook and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. There are so many other great ways to support the show. If you can't donate uh, financially, we don't expect that from you. So, right. and what, as far as what to expect, I think you're going to see Drew Locke play modestly well. He's not going to blow the doors down because, as you mentioned, Derwin James is coming back. Wouldn't surprise me if Derwin James gets a sack and an interception in this game. But I think Locke will do enough in this game to encourage the fans and continue the, to maintain that excitement that the Broncos are on to something. Kind of like Jay Cutler, when he took over for Jake Plummer back in 2006, the Broncos were first in the AFC West when that change was made. By the time the season was over, they didn't even make the playoffs. And still, though, fans were excited about Cutler because he showed a lot when he was on the field. He would take you know two steps forward, excite everybody, take a step back, two steps forward, but he was moving forward, Zach, more than he was going backwards. I'm just imploring the imploring the Broncos fan base, excuse me, not to get overly down on him or overly high on him. If he throws for 400 yards, don't get too high. If he throws for four picks, don't get too low. This one game ultimately will be an outlier. It really will. Regardless, he's going to either improve or regress by the week. It's just going to be an ex a learning experience for him, but watch him as the series unfolds throughout the game, watch him as the passes unfold. Watch him on a play-by-play -play basis rather than judging him on a game basis alone. All right, you guys, before we get out of here, I want to show you how much has changed from this L.A. Chargers team since last the Broncos played them, which was in week five. Let's just touch on really quickly, if you see here at the top, turnover margin. They're minus nine. The Broncos are minus two, which sucks. They're 20th in the league. That means they've turned the ball over two more times and they've taken it away. The Chargers are a whopping minus nine, which is bottom of the league. They're ranked 28th. But as you look at the offense, Zach, the green here, for those of you viewing, you know that represents top 10. Any statistical uh, point that's in the green is top 10. Offensively, the Chargers are top 10 in yards per play. They're number eight. They're top 10 in net passing yards per game, 
with 276.9, they're fifth. And then also in fumbles lost, they're not fumbling the ball. But as you move down, Zach, to the defense, there you see that from a net yards per game perspective, the Chargers are fifth. And that's been mostly without Derwin James all year long. They're getting him back this week. They're only allowing 317.5 yards total from scrimmage per game. But this is the one that scares me a little bit right here, net passing. The Chargers are only allowing just over 200 yards per game through the air, which is fourth best. The Broncos, for comparisons, who have maintained one of the best passing defenses in the league all year long, they're just ranked behind the Chargers at fifth, allowing two, you know, little over two more yards per game. So that's what the Broncos are going against. But here's what you got to like for Drew Locke's debut. This is the 20th ranked rushing defense, the Chargers. And then look down here in terms of sacks. They only have 25 on the year, which is the same as the Broncos. They're tied for 24th. Look at the third down percentage, Zach. They're allowing teams to convert 44% of the time, which is bottom third in the NFL. And in red zone, they're allowing almost a 60% conversion ratio, which is basically 19th. So some strong signs there that, you know, it's not, it's never going to be a perfect matchup across the board, but some strong signs that he's drawn a favorable matchup in his debut. And this is one of those games perfectly where the run will set up the pass for Drew Locke. If they can get Lindsey and Freeman going, it will open up the play action. It will open up things down the field for Drew Locke. But um, again, don't freak out. If he throws a couple picks, they're, they're still facing a pretty good defense. Don't be upset if he doesn't throw for a lot of yards in this game. Just having him on the field finally, getting him starting and getting him experience. Every rep, every snap he takes is truly invaluable. Stu, I wish we had an answer for you on that, buddy. Um, Tom McMahon. Even the Broncos don't know what's going on there. But for whatever reason, as Zach just iterated there, (laughs) that's Tom McMahon's boy. And that's they're going to ride or die with Colby Wadman this year. But, Zach, I would be stunned if he's the – I mean, I'd be modestly surprised if a change is made at coordinator. But that's one thing. I'll be stunned if they don't have a different punter this time next year. I'm actually be surprised if they don't make a change of coordinator, Chad. I mean, he's gotten a couple years now under two different regimes, and he just McMahon hasn't cut it. And by you know association, Wadman hasn't either. There's many punters out there they can sign off the street that would get better consistent production. But it seems like um, he has a thing for Wadman and vice versa. And the Broncos are letting him uh, the inmate run the asylum in that sense. Hopefully next year they won't have that same mentality. The only reason I say that is because Fangio has been asked a few different times this year after games or in the week following games in which the special teams has some kind of lapse. Hey, is Tom McMahon in any trouble? Is the, you know, would you consider making a change at special teams coordinator? And of course, what do you expect him to say? But at the same time, we can only analyze what they do say and what they do do. And in the case of Fangio, he has tamped it down quickly, dismissed any idea that McMahon's on a hot seat. So, but then you look at the, at the fruits of the labor and the Broncos special teams, I mean, Brandon McManus, you can't count on him anymore. I know a lot of my our colleagues in, in Broncos media would uh, disagree with me, but McManus is just not a kicker you can count on in the clutch anymore. Colby Wadman is, is as inconsistent as it gets. The only thing I could really say that looked better this year, and it's mostly due to personnel that had nothing to do with McMahon, Deontay Spencer has given him a little bit more of a dangerous, dynamic yeah. weapon in the return game, and the coverage units haven't been as bad as they were last year. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's enough to save his job, though. I just feel like in a three-in in whatever season, four-win season, five-win season, whatever, they're going to need to have a scapegoat. It's not going to be Fangio or Scangarello. I just happen to think, McMahon, and you might be right, he might stay. I just feel like um, based on what Fangio has operated with Flacco and based on the way he's operated with the quarterbacks, he says one thing and then does another like two days later. So I'll have to see if that doesn't shake out this offseason. All right, guys, last one, and then we're going to get out of here for today. From Micah, he says, will Keenan Allen still say that Chris Harris Jr. sucks after Chris Harris <laughs> shuts him down again on Sunday? I don't expect Keenan Allen to have a big day. I mean, he'll get his four, five, maybe six receptions. It'll be for somewhere between 40 to 60 yards. He's not going to score. I mean, if he does score, we know it's going to come against Harris in the bottom half of the fourth quarter, and it'll be in the most inopportune time. But I really don't think it's going to be any different, Zach, than what we saw in week five, which is a small handful of catches, very, very meager and modest production from Keenan Allen. And yeah, he'll probably go back and talk smack in the media afterward.
Uh, the only guarantees are if Harris shuts him down, he's going he's gonna to gloat about it. And the only guarantee, if he lets a touchdown, he's going to blame someone else, Chris Harris Jr. That's the only prediction we can make in terms of that matchup. All right, guys. When you will see Zach and I again is Sunday, immediately following the conclusion of Broncos Chargers. So think somewhere around 5.30, approaching 6. Whenever the game gets over, give about a five-minute gap, and then we will be on to share our gut reactions to how Drew Locke played, how the team handled it, um, how it shook out, et cetera. So expect that. Make sure you uh, are subscribed if you're listening to this after the show, uh, after this live podcast. And uh, if you want to hang out with us live on the gut reaction, we will get the link out to everybody and notifications will go out on YouTube and Facebook. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, live once again on YouTube and Facebook. Big thanks to each and every one of you for joining us, and Thank a mile-high salute to our super chat superstars who, you know, your support just continues to leave us speechless. It does, and uh, like Chad said, we will never ask or never point you guys to make donations, but we appreciate every penny. We know, you know, personally how tough it is and how how important money is, and uh, just you being here with us and interacting with us, we love doing this with you guys. So just keep hanging in there, and we'll continue serving these hot take, you know, pods. That's right. Much love to each and every one of you. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Don't forget to follow my partner on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad and Jensen and have yourselves a good rest of your Thanksgiving holiday weekend. We'll be back in the saddle Sunday, immediately following the game. And then Saturday, well, it'll probably publish Friday night sometime, but look for building the Broncos scouts. eye preview looking ahead to what to expect in week 13 for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys in the gut reaction immediately following Sunday's game. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.